Hey guys, welcome to the debrief. This is our debrief from the episode, legendary episode with Andrew Yang. David, do you know what episode number this was off the top of your head? What it's going to be? 89 something? 89? 89. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Magic episode. I remember 55. I'm going to remember 89. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'll remember. I remember the first episode we did. Yep. Anyway, this is a historic episode. Andrew Yang has been on our list, dream guest list mm-hmm. for a very long time. Um, Mark Cuban was maybe another, but Andrew Yang has been floating out there from the time we started this podcast. Now he's come to Bankless. Super cool episode. We were joking about, uh, before we started recording with him, like, oh man, what if this is like kind of a don't meet your hero scenario where he shows up on your podcast and he's just not the guy that you thought he was. Yeah. Nope. Not didn't, didn't happen in the slightest. It was very much like exactly who we wanted to have and exactly the conversation that we wanted to have as well. So Andrew so, Yang does not disappoint. So the lesson is do meet your heroes, just record a podcast with them and it'll be awesome. Right. That's also have good heroes. Also, that, that is also a good lesson to have. Oh, there we go. Okay. So speaking of good heroes, I mean, he came right out and said it. I thought we were going to have to like meander around. Hey, are you the one crypto has been looking for, or right. should we look for another? Right. But he just came out and said it. And it's like, yo, uh, Ford party, we're going to be the crypto party. I'm going to help you guys with this. Mm-hmm. He just came out and said it. Yep. Incredible, man. I thought we were going to have to do like three, four podcasts with him yeah, before, before we convince him. Yeah, but no. See, that's the cool thing about Andrew Yang is he's not afraid of the future. And in fact, <laughs> he's not he's not afraid of it, but he wants to undergo it, which is in stark contrast to basically all of our institutions that we have, our, our yeah. corporate institutions, our governmental institutions. And I think that's why so many of the you know insiders of the world, the incumbents of the world, see what Andrew Yang's doing as a threat is because by definition, if you're an incumbent, you kind of are afraid of the future, right? Like if the future happens, are you a part of it? Andrew Yang says yes, but the institutions of the world are still afraid. You're afraid, you're afraid as an incumbent, you're afraid of any future that you cannot control. Right. And so if you are projecting to the future, your only aim is to seek to control what that possible future is, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, you're right on. Andrew Andrew Yang is not afraid of what crypto is doing. In fact, he kind of embraces it. Mm-hmm. He's also like, didn't hear a, a word about like, um, I'm worried about crypto impacting the influence of the nation state, right? Mm-hmm. Which, which to me is like, if you're even saying that, then like the nation state is an institution as well, right? right? right. You've already lost the plot because... What if crypto diminishes the nation state in some respects, but is also a good thing for the people? Right. Okay? Like what, what if it's its own institution that is also good? Yeah. What, what if that? And what, what if, like, and he's totally comfortable with that, whereas many of the people inside the institutions are not because they are kind of, uh, you know, grasping at, grasping at power. Um, the other thing I really liked, so personally, I didn't know very much. I like, I knew probably a bit more about ranked choice voting. I didn't know very much about sort of, um, open primaries and ranked choice voting and the combination that those two things could bring and seeing crypto. Like we know that small changes to the protocol can ripple out and have massive positive implications for decentralization. For example, like the Bitcoiners say this when they say, if you fix money, you fix everything. Yeah. Like the difference between a uh, DPoS type EOS protocol that's staking and something like a well-designed decentralized Ethereum protocol, which is also staking, Mm -hmm. different protocol, different design. One is far more decentralized, leads to better outcomes 
anti-fragility, anti-corruption, anti-authoritarianism, anti-control. The other leads towards control and capture and censorship and all of these dark paths. And so like when a politician speaks in those terms to me, it's like, you know, before we, we elect the next president or like figure out who should be in charge, we should actually go back to the underlying protocol of the U S government, which is the constitution and the way we run elections on top of this constitution and reform that actually make some protocol upgrades and changes to make this thing more decentralized. When somebody says that, like he just, he just posted an EIP for the U S government is what he did. (laughs) Right. Right. Uh, and I love it. I love somebody who can talk in those terms and can think systemically rather than the tribalism of like, God, I, this is why I'm so checked out of politics generally, David, right. because no one thinks big picture in right. this way. Yeah. And Andrew Yang does. And I'm excited about that. Yeah. It, it also, if we want to keep on like uh, taking this crypto metaphor all the way to its logical conclusion, it kind of, of course feels- we do. Okay, every let's, metaphor. Let's, let's do it. You take every, all every, the way. every single metaphor we're going to put into the terms. Okay. So he's frustrated by the lack of diversity of political parties, right? Like it's also kind of like having a lack of client diversity, right? Like yeah. if you only have one or a few clients and yeah. one of those clients breaks and one of those yeah. clients turns malicious and authoritarian, then you don't have any other clients to stop that from happening. Evil right? coder. Yeah. Right. So you need, when we, Ethereum it commits to having multiple clients, it's also having like commitments to multiple like political parties. They're not, it's not about politics, but it's about who's checking on everyone else. And so Andrew Yang's mechanisms that he's introducing into the protocol of the United States of ranked choice voting and open and free primaries, open and free primaries is basically, like I, like I said in the actual podcast, it's breaking the monopoly of, of these two clients that are like trading punches at each other, trying to monopolize the other one. And all of a sudden we can go from having a a duopoly client model to what he literally said, diversity of thought is diversity of clients. It's also like, uh, to use another crypto term, it's permissionless. Yep. Right. Mm -hmm. All right. Permissionless client innovation. Yeah. We have a permissioned voting system, governance system in the primaries we hold, which is you have to be a Democrat or Republican, those two things. So it's permissioned. It's a closed Mm -hmm. system, right? Mm -hmm. And open primaries makes it a permissionless system Mm -hmm. where anyone can enter and garner support. And then the ranked choice choice voting, like to me, it's almost similar to like a a better auction mechanism. It's almost like EIP 1559, you know, like it's just a more efficient tweak to the democratic governance system. And I think it can have massive effects. So he's right to focus on that. I am a little bit worried um, that it'll take time to push this forward. And he kept going back to the fact that like, I'm not sure how much time we actually had. Like this is also echoed in his book, David, where he talks about like, he really genuinely thinks America could be on the brink of like actual violence, like actual war. I'm not talking about like tiny sort of, I'm talking about like spars and cities. No, yeah. you're talking about the real thing. Yeah. Maybe in 2022, maybe the next, you know, uh, 2024, mm-hmm. um, like he talks about that. And so these protocol upgrades aren't going to get into the system mm-hmm. by then. Mm-hmm. And so we're in a vulnerable place. Like he's right to raise the alarm bells. I think. I think the argument for why this could go quickly is because Yang's no longer 
setting his eyes on only one prize, which is the presidency, right? Like he thought that if he, was, if he was president, he would be able to exert the massive amount of change all at once. True, if he was president, but he's not going for that anymore. He's going for a political party, which is a more decentralized model in the sense that like you can have the forward party crop up in Florida, in Washington, in California, in Maine, and you can take this at the grassroots level, right? Like you only need ranked choice voting to be adopted in a few cities, in a few states, have those states prove effectiveness, and then using that as a model to have a, a tidal wave of adoption of, of these protocol upgrades towards the whole rest of the country. Uh, yeah, so hopefully that's how it, it moves quickly. You know, the other thing I was thinking, it's way, way too much for first conversation with Yank, but like one person he should meet is um, Vitalik. I was about to bring Vitalik up okay. when we were talking like, about client diversity, right? Yeah. So uh, rank choice voting, okay, and quadratic funding, okay? Mm -hmm. Another mechanism change that has big implications. Right. Quadratic funding also has ties into like UBI and how could political donations work in the future, right? We didn't cover it in the book, but uh, or in the in the podcast. But Yang has this other concept where you sort of you give all you know. So so the problem is just too much money in polit in politics, and the money has outsized influence versus the individual voters and the people. So what do you do? Mm -hmm. You give individuals a hundred dollars, use it right. or lose it, to actually donate to their candidate of choice. So. Right. Again, you lower the barriers to entry to actually becoming mm -hmm. a, a you know candidate for Congress or or some other office, right? And right. you give that to, back to the people anyway. I think Vitalik talking quadratic voting to to Yang or making mm -hmm. that a part of the party party could be super interesting, right? Like right. there's he said a few times that this conversation was historic, and I really think it is because. This is the moment where crypto starts leeching into the general political discourse and maybe starts finding ways to embed itself into like ideas, embed itself into, mm -hmm. into politics and maybe the nation state governance mechanisms as well. Absolutely. Yeah. The, the, the forward party also seems to be a party where v Vitalik and also Glenn Weil um, might be able to have a sandbox for them to tinker with, right? To experiment with some of their, what, you know, the Glenn Weil wrote this book called Radical Markets, which is basically the intersection of the economy and also mechanism design. Mechanism design being the inverse of game theory, where like you have an outcome, how can you design a game theoretical system to create that outcome? And this is where quadratic funding and a number of other mechanisms that Vitalik and Glenn Weil cl uh, collaborated on. Um, if the forward party is open towards that level of um, experimentation and innovation, I think that's where we could really see a complete reconstruction of some of the things that make our economy function. So what do you think? He's been asked a number of times, like, uh, are you going to run for president, right? Mm -hmm. You know, recently coming out with the Ford party, everyone expects like, oh, so you're going to be the third party in the next right. election. Right. And I don't think that's his aim. I think his aim yeah. is like protocol upgrades. Yep. At the same time, he's not, I don't think he's going to disappear from uh, politics and political influence. Mm -hmm. And who knows what the future might bring with this. Um, it's interesting maneuver, which I didn't quite understand. It's like, some people think, I think, you know, forming a, a political party is like the road to 
a new political with third parties, the road to marginalization, right? Like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, you know, right. don't waste. I tried your tried that before, right? Yeah, tried that before, but like, he's not talking about running for president right. or anything on this party. What he's talking about is like garnering support either from Democrats, Republicans, mm-hmm. for the Ford Party's platform, right? right. Which, by he, the way, got the meme layer. He's at the layer the zero. The meme layer, yeah. Which, by the way, could include crypto policy, yep. right? Mm-hmm. So. Imagine that being part of this third party platform is like, you know, he has six kind of pillars, but maybe the seventh is actually like embracing crypto yeah. innovation. Stop bullying crypto. Yeah. Yeah. Stop bullying crypto. Like, get out of the way, Brad Sherman. Right. I'm glad he knows that name because, like, Brad Sherman is. Uh, <laughs> words cannot describe. What is Brad Mol- Sherman? Moloch. Yeah. Yeah. He's just an incumbent, man. He's just like, he just <laughs> shits on crypto every chance he can get. And it's absolutely ridiculous. Doesn't even understand it. He's like, you know, bought and paid for by like large banking companies. He's, he's kind of the institutional cruft that we need right. to get out of office. And Andrew Yang sees that and you know, supports his opponent, which I love. That's great. Mm-hmm. More. More. Yeah, the, that's exactly where I was going to go. We, like, we can't just have Andrew Yang. Like, I'm, he's a great champion. But like we need a thousand champions, totally. uh, and maybe maybe Yang being the first person to be like, well, I'll I'll take all of the crypto people's money. Like no <laughs> no one else is taking the crypto people's money. That's crazy. I'll do it, and then I'll maybe that like kind of in the same way that like uh, there's that efficient markets uh, joke where like. According to the efficient markets, uh, the ten dollar bill that you see on the street isn't actually a real ten dollar bill because somebody would have picked it up by now. Yeah, right. you've heard you've heard of that joke. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So like maybe Andrew Yang by the by being the first person to say like, oh, I'll represent crypto. Maybe that <laughs> actually does trigger trigger a tidal wave of people's like, oh, Andrew Yang said he was pro crypto and then got a bunch of pro crypto donations and also or saying sensible things about crypto. Maybe I'll start doing that too. I totally think it could. And I actually think that is an inevitable outcome. People like in the same way he popularized UBI because it was a popular thing, right? Mm. They're going to see if if he adopts a crypto platform, even if like you listen to this podcast and like you hate Yang mm. at the end of the day, right? Like at the end of the day, you don't support him. You hate Yang, whatever else. You have to at least appreciate that if he is going to put forward a pro crypto platform, the crypto community comes and supports him mm. financially, also with votes, also with social media, also with like all of the influence avenues at our disposal, then he will not be the last politician to think this is a good idea and go enter. Like politicians are very pragmatic. They can smell votes. They can smell dollars, especially. They can smell dollars more than they can smell votes, by the way. They do. Yeah. And crypto has both of these things. Like uh, it just, I, I can't believe no one's picked up the $10 bill to this point, David. Right. Why, why has no, it's just sitting there. Crypto's you, like, you hey, just need, need one though, is the thing. Yeah. You so just need one. So that's going to happen. Right. Um, what else should we cover? What else, you know, fascinated you from that discussion? Yeah. I, I wanted, I said it at the very end, but I really wanted to drive this point home is like one of the reasons why I think crypto as a thing will be adopted is because I, th- one of my theories about the society is society will gravitate towards optimism and we, we've seen, we saw like the uh, uh, Occupy Wall Street reaction towards 2008, and then also Bitcoin as a reaction towards 2008. And we've seen this growth in DeFi as a reaction towards the lack of permissionlessness and the walled garden nature of the financial system. I think that overall, 
society. And it's something that Andrew Yang as a platform ran on in 2020. Uh, society is uh, a society that is at, we are actually dying sooner and we're also more depressed. And these are bad things. We're the wealthiest nation in the world, yet we're, our age expectancy is going down and our despair levels are going up. In stark contrast to crypto, where everyone is stoked to go to work, everyone is extremely optimistic about the future, and it's because of what we're building. And I think that optimism is, as a political party, like whichever side is optimistic wins. And this has actually been accounted for in scientific research from Martin Seligman, the previous uh, president of the American Psychological Association. Uh, and also, uh, I can't remember her, her name, but wrote this book called Grit. It talked about like baseball teams at the beginning of a season were tested out who's going to be, uh, who's going to win the World Series. And the relationship between the optimism of a team and their likelihood of winning was extremely strong in the sense that optimism actually determines outcomes. Uh, and I think that because of the optimism that we find in the crypto world, uh, we can actually dictate the future that we want to see as a result of that. We're going to pull more people in because optimism, optimism is infectious. And that's really the platform that Andrew Yang exudes. That's what that's the, uh, he exudes optimism about the future, even though he says like negative things, um, uh, and like things uh, frustrates him about like the politics. I think this optimism is trying to get out into the world. Uh, and I think this is going to, the fact that the crypto world is optimistic is actually going to put tailwinds behind whatever we do in whatever realm, uh, either politically or just growing adoption. Uh, and I think people should account for that more. I, I will say personally, crypto has given me a ton of optimism, right? Like I'm, I think I'm kind of prone to like cynicism and like mm -hmm. distrust about the future. And like, I mean, you read through history, David, and right. like tons of bad shit happened, right? right. And right. tons of uh, pessimistic authoritarians who feed one side of the population against another side of the population somehow get into power mm -hmm. and like never let go. And like bad things really do happen in the mm -hmm. real world. And I felt for a while, maybe this is just my nature, that we're in kind of a, a collision course for some of those bad things. Like we've had a pretty good run, you know, mm -hmm. like Right. Uh, growing up, like it's been pretty easy, at least in the US. I know other countries have varying degrees of strife. And, you know, your experience may vary depending on where you live and where you grew up. But, like, we're in for something, is what I've always felt. And right. um, I feel like even the US is like careening off a cliff with no sizes. And then here's crypto, which is the message of it's different than Occupy Wall Street, which is like uh, tear it down, just right. tear it down. Right. Um, it's like build it up, build something build new, a new yeah. system. Life raft, build your arc, help, right? Yeah. It's solar punk, not just cypherpunk, right? Mm -hmm. And that to me has brought a lot of optimism. Like personally, I'm like, okay, can't control all these other things, but I know we are building something special in crypto. Mm -hmm. And this is the first look, Dave, this is the first mainstream politician to my knowledge that has ever engaged with the mm -hmm. crypto community. So it is a <laughs> milestone. This is a big deal. Um, you know, it's a presidential candidate, right? You know, he, he didn't come super close, but like he could have been a president, right? In some other parallel universe. Hey, he was the number three crowd drawer after Trump and Bernie. So yeah, yeah, very much a, a populist, you know, bottom up kind of, right. uh, you know, and now engagement that brings me optimism mm -hmm. as well. So yeah, I'll totally, uh, I'll totally plus one that thought. It's, this yeah. is all about optimism. 
I think um, if we can brand the forward party as the optimistic party and be like, oh, you must be optimistic to join. Uh, <laughs> not, not, not that top down, but like, hey, like aligning with optimism is powerful. That dot ETH gift, man. He seemed genuinely excited about receiving yeah. Andrew Yang dot ETH. That's we can cool. get him to add a dot ETH to his Twitter. He's not going to do it, but if we could, he's so good. <laughs> so we got to coordinate with him offline uh, with Brantley and uh, make sure we transfer that. But uh, yeah, he seemed like genuinely excited about it. And he's like, mm-hmm. I was, I've been slow to register domains in the past. Right. Thank you guys mm-hmm. for doing that. So mm-hmm. I think that's a good gesture too. Yeah. Uh, anything else, David, you want to cover? <sighs> Nothing for me, man. First, first of many politicians on Bankless Podcast. All right, who's next? Who's now? Now that we have Andrew Yang on our list, I know we had our sights set on that. In fact, I yep. think in a blog post wish list, the end of the year last year, we said we wanted Andrew Yang in the podcast. Oh, do we get to go cancel that. that off the list? Oh, nice. Yeah. That's gonna feel good. That's go search good. that. But like, uh, who's next then? Oof. Who do we want next? A politician or guest? Just a guest, like a dream guest, guest category. Hmm. The thing is, like, we're kind of getting them all. Is the mm, thing. All right, I've got one. You ready? Okay. I okay. want Elon Musk. Oh, yeah, sure. Okay. I want Elon Musk. Maybe Vitalik's there, maybe not. Yeah. But I want Elon Musk on the podcast. Yeah, that, that, that would be pretty phenomenal. I'm worried that uh, he wouldn't take it seriously. It's kind of a shit poster <laughs> these days, especially when it comes to crypto, but maybe he would. Well, do you have another one in case, uh, in case mm. we, we meet that guy and it's, you know, it's not what... <laughs> Not what we I'd, thought. I, I'd have to scroll through my Twitter feed, but uh, off the top Anybody, of my head. Anybody. Celebrity. Um, Ray Dalio is one. For oh, me. Ray Dalio is great. throw that out there. Ray Dalio is great. Yeah. Okay. Elon. You're, you're coming up with all the ideas here. <laughs> 2022. Mm-hmm. We'll put it in the wish list. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got Andrew Yang. Guys, thank you so much for hanging out with us on the Deep Breathe. We'll talk to you soon.